You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? So excited. If they'd let me in AT&T, I would just drive there this minute and go right to my seat and sit there for three days. I think that also says a little something about your social calendar. <laughs> like you wouldn't miss anything. I mean, um, Jimmy, first of all, I want to thank Sonos, S-O-N-O-S, for sponsoring this. You can go to sonos.com and check them out. But also, uh, I think we want to thank everybody for making this the first place you listen to a podcast. And finally, um, I didn't listen to yesterday's podcast because I don't normally listen to us unless like there's something that I think we may have offended the world. But um, I just was, I was hearkening back. I was reminiscing and I won't play that song again about um, yesterday's podcast. And, and for whatever reason, I was thinking, boy, last night must've been the worst podcast we've ever done. We literally, gave no news or and rarely an opinion yesterday now so we got to step it up a pimple today because it felt like yesterday but you know i'm giving us a break because nobody does shit worthwhile on the first day back after christmas nobody in in any line of work sunday and it was a it was a sunday after a week of christmas exhaustion and this whole week is funny. I have nothing to do with Alabama, Cincinnati, but the, this is like the funniest week in the calendar. Like, is Christmas to New Year's seven consecutive holidays, or is this a work week like the middle of August? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a limbo week that's like, what the hell is this? It's never been made clear as to whether <laughs> these are holidays. But uh, I came to my old office in downtown Mobile this morning, and uh, – it's a ghost town. And this is a Monday morning when it would normally be bustling. And it's a ghost town. It literally is like a holiday with very few cars and, and businesses open. And see, I think that helps Alabama uh, to tie this in together because I think teams that um, have better depth and have been in this situation before probably know a little more what to expect. Whereas a team like Cincinnati when you get into the holiday season like this and, you know, we're all geared as Americans now, like, okay, Christmas, we're going to get some time off. And when it, Christmas falls on a Saturday and then, you know, we sort of recover on Sunday, we're sort of like, well, we really need Monday off too. I mean, we're supposed to get another day off in here somewhere. So let's go ahead and take Monday off. So maybe I'm reaching there, but it feels like that uh, that may help us one way or another. No, let's talk about I think it's of- a good point. Really? I think it's a good point. I, I, I think Alabama's, experience two ways number one literally the kids on the team at alabama that have all been there for more than one season have experienced the college football playoff before and the coaching staff that's huge advantage for alabama the dna of the programs this is not this is strange lands for cincinnati this is this is what you sign up for when you sign with alabama you know to play in these these games uh and, and there's no 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 question who the favorite here is. On the other hand, uh, if Cincinnati has an advantage, it's that they can come out swinging in the sense that no one expects anything from them. Uh, they're they're already beyond expectations. Making 
it to this point was probably the journey for them. Uh, whereas Alabama, uh, it's not about getting to the playoff anymore. It's about winning it. I liked how you worked a Hallmark movie theme of it's the journey, not the destination uh, in there somewhere. It's the, I was going to say it's the climb and start singing the Miley Cyrus song, but I passed. <laughs> uh, or I hope you dance, you know, one, by one of those country singers I don't listen to. Um, <laughs> you know the worst I hope you dance story? I, I think this is true. Somebody needs to Google this to verify, but I think this is true. When that song came out, and, it, and it is, it's a great song. It is gr- a great song. But I heard that it particularly moved Steve Spurrier. And he played it as part of a pep talk for his team, uh, maybe like after practice or before practice. And I'm like, while it is a great song, that is like not a good football song. I don't I don't think every football song has to be, you know, Thunderstruck by ACDC. I I don't think. But I mean, but playing that song playing that type of inspirational song for a football team, that that feels like a foul ball to me. I mean, was there no Adele song available? (laughs) That's the worst fire-up music I've ever heard in my life. No wonder he had a decline towards the end of his tenure. Um, (laughs) I wonder if other guys in the locker room were like, does this mean we don't get to listen to Wind Beneath My Wings anymore? uh, We're going to talk about some of the things that Nick Saban said when he got to Dallas along with the rest of the team, but man, Jimmy, and again, I know everybody's listening to this on a Tuesday while we're cutting this on a Monday morning because I'm headed to New Orleans with the fam and we're going to check out the Dolphins Saints tonight, but um, yeah, that's going to be cool, but uh, I got to bring this up. My my son is a big Eagles fan. I've told that story a bunch, and, um, and so I've gotten sort of into the NFL a little more than usual, even though I've always played fantasy football um, and, and prize picks, but Last night I was watching the the Washington football team. I always want to say Redskins, and I then I feel guilty for saying it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm, I don't know. I was watching the Washington football team in the Dallas Cowboys, and Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, I mean, got into it. Like, not screwing around, got into it. Like, Payne put his finger right up against the temple of Jonathan Allen, and then Jonathan Allen slapped his hand away and threw a punch and landed – uh, it grazed his cheek, and he actually had a mark where it grazed. Um, and I don't know who I would bet on. I mean, I, I boy, pain is so strong. But Jonathan Allen just seems like the kind of dude. You know, we had this guy when I was in school that he wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the strongest. He was strong. He was country strong. But he was one of those guys that, like, okay, you might beat him in a fight. But then the next day he's going to come to your house and fight you again until he wins. Like, he's he's not going to cheat. He's just going to come fight you until he wins, and he's going to be like, okay. And those are the worst people to fight because you're you're like, I can't beat him enough. And I think Jonathan Allen may be that kind of dog where he's like, okay, you you beat me this time. I'll see you here tomorrow, and we're going to continue to fight until I win. And and that's – so I don't know who I'd bet on, but um, I think it also speaks to the ferocity of that team we had. What was it? I guess 15 and 16 they were on those defenses, but, I mean – particularly 16, um, boy, that was a team you did not want to trifle with, my friends. Yeah, we need, we, we sort of need in this coming off season to harken back to 2016 defensively because I think defensively we could be really, really good next year. And we were good this year. This was a good defense by any statistical measure 
it was good, and they did a good job. And I applaud Pete Golding for putting together a uh, one of the best defenses in the country. But it still lacked, and every week it was inconsistent, and, and, and didn't help us much against A and M. And played really bad against Florida. Uh, and I, I think what we need now, because we'll have the talent, ne- ne- we'll have experience, and we'll have talent on next year's defense. But what we're, we've been missing is an edge. And, man, that 2016 group had it. we, we got to get back to that level of no-nonsense defense, a, an intense group that's not just wanting to lead the league in defense. They want to win the games by shutout every week. And yeah. we, we, we just sort of miss that to some extent leadership, but, but that's really what we need this offseason because uh, assuming that every junior we have on the team that go pro – we will be uh, we will have a very very experienced defense at all three levels next year defensive line linebackers and secondary real experienced bunch Jimmy let's take a break when we come back I want to talk about some of the things Nick Saban said when the team got to Dallas okay all of this is coming from Bama online I'm gonna read a few of the quotes and then get your thoughts uh, when he was talking about Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, two guys that are in the COVID protocol, Nick Saban said, we're using the same protocols that we use in the past for COVID situations, and they will do all their work and coaching virtually with players, very similar to the way I did it when I tested positive before the Auburn game a year ago. They will join us, I think, the evening of the 29th or 30th, or whenever their time is up before the game. So they will be here for the game, and I think both are doing really well. Uh, Joe Pendry will be uh, on the field to work with offensive line some, which I think is a good thing. I love Joe Pendry. Um, I think he's a, a great coach. And so I, I think all this is going to be fine. It's kind of much ado about nothing in a sense, but um, any thoughts there? Yeah. If you, um, you know, I, th- I think O'Brien in particular, his absence doesn't really affect much in terms of coordinating the offense. In fact, he can really focus on, on game planning and video uh, with all that time to himself in Tuscaloosa, I think I think if anything, it might be an advantage as far as his OC duties. As far as coaching up Bryce, it's a bit of a blow that Bryce doesn't have his coach in Dallas. Uh, that's a blow to an extent. But if anybody out there doesn't need as much one-on-one coaching as Bryce, and secondly, Alec Mortensen, who's 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 been you know a, a GA or a support staff member for a long time with our, and, and has worked with our quarterbacks for a long time. That's a familiar face for Bryce. He's very helpful. He'll be a really good QB coach himself uh, one day in college football. So Mort can handle that duty. Uh, Saban didn't mention it, but I'm sure that's what's going on. And uh, as far as Pendry, what a huge asset it is to have Joe Pendry around and, and then to have him there for a break glass in case of emergency, and then he can step out and literally coach our offensive line in Dallas. Uh, it just shows how how incredible Saban is at what he builds around the players, that they have all these weapons and all these assets, and everything is in place to be successful. One thing I will say is when when it was mentioned online that Pendry would be coaching the OL, that was a, a, a dog whistle for people to come out of the woodwork and uh, – Criticized Doug Marone. <laughs> yeah, I think, it was. <laughs> and I think while I would agree with the general notion that the Alabama offensive line underachieved this season and is not one of the best units on the team, 
Uh, I'm not blind. I agree. He he gets over criticized in the sense that I'm not sure what everyone was expecting, and there are just too many fans that that don't adjust year to year to personnel. And this group was never. I don't care who coached them. They were never going to be like the previous Alabama units uh, before them. This was the Achilles heel. This was a problem in the spring. Those of you who listen to Locked on Bam every day, and thank you for that. You know me and Luke, we've been talking about this since before the spring, during the spring, after the spring. This was going to be a problem. I remember saying before the season started, before we ever saw Doug Marone coach a game at Alabama, we said, and you agreed, that if this team wins the national championship, it's because the offensive line found a way to get it done under under bad circumstances. Or if we didn't win the national championship, it would be because we weren't good enough on the offensive line. We were saying that before Doug Marone ever coached a game. And now it seems that we have a lot of fans out there saying, gosh, we'd be great if Marone wasn't screwing up the offensive line. It, it, it don't, don't fall for what I call the helmets. I mean, don't, it, it, yeah, it's the Alabama helmet, but who's inside the helmets is what matters. And I'm not ripping those five kids. I'm just saying we weren't terribly experienced, and we went from having five pro linemen to having maybe two or two and a half. And there's there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of the reasons is not because Doug Marone, who has spent his entire life coaching NFL offensive linemen, doesn't know what he's doing. That's crazy. Yeah, um, and there's some other things that Saban said uh, that a lot of it was a bunch of words signifying nothing uh, on the injury updates. This is the the longest sentence that I was able to glean nothing from in the history of my reading sentences. He said, I think you guys know about all the injuries that we have. There's nothing of any significance that I can remember that's new or someone who's not going to be able to practice this afternoon that you don't already know about. So essentially you didn't have to ask me this question. You already know the answer. So let's quit talking about it. That's essentially what he said. Um, And then here was one other strange question and tell me if I've missed something um, was there a special about Alabama's popularity in Latin America? Because this this is literally, it, maybe it's just because it's in Dallas. I, I don't know, but um, one of one of the questions apparently was on Nick Saban's message to Alabama fans in Latin America. Nick Saban said, "We certainly appreciate all the support we get, wherever it comes from, internationally." And certainly any Latin American folks that follow the Crimson Tide and have helped support us through the years, and especially this year, we appreciate you more than you know. I hope you're having a great holiday season and enjoy yourself and have a happy new year. How he didn't sneak Feliz Navidad in there, I don't get, but uh, I mean, it seems like that would have been natural. (laughs) I mean, but is that, did I miss a memo uh, that, are we that popular in Latin America and I missed this? I mean, We apparently do have, I don't know the extent of it, but I believe this goes back to the final Hey Coach radio show that Nick Saban did in Tuscaloosa before before this game. I don't know if it was right after Auburn. Sometime during December, uh, Nick Saban did his coach's show, and, and a caller called in, and I'm butchering this because I didn't hear it. I'm basically going off memory of what I recall reading, but a, a listener uh, called in, and wanted to talk to Coach Saban, and they were from South America, 
if I remember, and, and listen to Alabama games and claim that everyone in the, in the, in the, in the locale down there are Alabama fans and, and that Alabama has a lot of support down there, that it would really surprise them to know how much interest there is in Alabama football uh, in Central and South America. And Saban seemed to be really intrigued by this. A lot like that wasn't something that he just blew off as silly or non-important. He he sort of embraced this, uh, and and you could kind of tell, hey, when the show's over, I'm going to get some of my people to look into this because this, this interests me. So I'm not surprised he would uh, answer that question in full like he did, uh, because he seems to embrace this this idea that was sort of new to us, I guess that people in countries around the world where, where American football is not a sport that is even on their radar, but people know Alabama football just goes to show we have a, an international brand. I, I'm, I'm stunned every time I read How about this. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to look this up for the next show. So I have the specifics, but this is amazing to me every time I read it, but y'all know that Bryant Denny is one of the top 15 biggest sports stadiums in the world what really in the world Bryant Denny Stadium is one of the top 15 biggest sports stadiums in the world and that blows me away every time I read it but then you know you realize that soccer is the most uh, popular sport on the globe and there are lots of large soccer stadiums but the large soccer stadiums in Europe and South America the typical ones are not nearly as large as the American football stadiums in the U.S. So, yeah, it's true. You can look it up. I'll, I'll come back to the show next time with a specific number, but I know it's top 15 or top 20. Off the top of my head, I want to say it's the 11th largest sports stadium in the world. Jimmy, let me tell everybody about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the place you want to go if you want to put a bet on something like what's the largest sports stadium in the world. I don't know if that would accept that, but, you know, I'm just saying I'm keeping this as a segue. So go to betonline.ag, use promo code Locked On, get that 50% welcome bonus. If you put in 100, you get to play with 150. That's free money from Jimmy and me to you because we love you, the listener. Go to betonline.ag. You can bet on football. You can bet on basketball. You can bet on baseball. You can bet on golf. You can play poker. You can play blackjack. You can play all these things at betonline.ag, and it's a lot of fun. Easy to pay in, even easier to get paid at betonline.ag. Trust me, this is a ton of fun. You you're going to enjoy it. You can do parlays and teasers. You're going to have a lot of fun with it. Go try it out. Betonline.ag. Use promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. Jimmy, let's talk a little basketball just for this last segment here. Um, it looks like uh, CBS, maybe I think this is CBS uh, or 24-7, uh, whatever. I'm not sure. Came out with their midseason player of the year is Oscar. Toshibi? Is that how we say this in Kentucky? I'm not sure. I hadn't gotten full uh, basketball mode just yet. I think I think you're right. Okay. Um, top fresh, the top freshman in the SEC is Jabari Smith. I think that's a no-brainer. He's been yeah. fantastic. He's he's unfortunately he's really really good. I mean, he's smooth. Yeah, as unfortunately, silk. Um, he's good. Yeah, shit. I mean, every time yeah. you know, it, it, it's not. Hey, you know, I. People can be different than me. That's okay. It's just how I do as a fan. As a fan, I don't like Auburn. I don't root for Auburn, uh, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not anti their players. Like I've got some sort of personal vendetta against. Them. I mean, they're just kids, and yeah. So whenever I see that Auburn has 
an extreme talent like that. I mean, you know, I want to, you know, I'm 50% complimentary and 50% like, well, shit. Damn, well, it's, it's, good. Damn it. You know what you want to do, Jimmy, is you want to, you want to always put a yeah, but with it. That's the problem. And I, I'm trying my best as a guy who does multiple sports stuff things. Um, I think they're called shows. Uh, as a guy who does those, I want to be a little less biased. I don't want to be like completely yeah, right. unbiased. I mean, even, even the ESPN anchors aren't unbiased anymore. I mean, they're, everybody's right. a little biased. And I think we can all live with that. But I don't want to be the yeah, but guy every time somebody from Auburn does something well. Like, I don't mind being a yeah, but guy with Bo Nix. Bo Nix was very mediocre. And, and Auburn fans can say what they want to. He was a mediocre quarterback period end of discussion that doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback it means he's mediocre I mean he he would not have played at Alabama he would not have played it he might have started at LSU given some of these last few guys but he's not in some of these other guys area codes but Jabari Smith like if I yell but him it makes me look stupid that guy's awesome I mean, he's incredible so why do I want to say yeah but when I know that only makes it look dumb for me I mean, you know, in, in don't fact, be the sports fan that believes that the only good players in the sport play for your favorite team. That's that's an a. It's impossible. B. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb. Of course, other teams have good players, and there's great players all over the NFL. There's great players all over college football. Auburn's got good players. LSU's got good players. Uh, Alabama has the most good players, and we should celebrate that. And it's fun that we're all experiencing the Saban dynasty together, but it doesn't mean that there are 85 good players in college football and they all play for Alabama. That's, that's dumb. Eh? I'm a football fan. I enjoy, so I enjoy the NFL so much on Sunday. I, I like watching the best players in the world play football. So Jabari Smith, freshman of the year, and I think we would agree with that. In the SEC, at least. I mean, I, and really, he might be a freshman of the year overall. I mean, that guy at Duke is pretty good. Uh, the guy Gonzaga is pretty good, but I, you know, I don't know that Jabari Smith's not better than them. I don't watch him enough to really he's, make. He's the most gifted that. freshman I've seen. He's the most gifted guy to me. I mean, I, if there was a draft today, I mean today, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of these guys to have a strong, educated opinion. I'm just saying that if the NBA draft is tomorrow, I, I would take that dude number one. Then they come up with their top five teams in the SEC, and they rank them in order. Number five is Alabama, and you know what, I. I think that's right. We're playing kind of shitty. So, I mean, I I think we've played as hard a schedule as anybody in the country, but we beat the hard teams. We've lost to the teams we shouldn't lose to. So, I think that's fine. LSU is number four, and I think that's also fair because while they're undefeated, they have played a shitty schedule. Auburn is number three. I think that is fair as well because when I watch Auburn play right now, I think they're better than Alabama. And I think they're better than LSU. And they play LSU game one on Wednesday night. Number two is Tennessee, who we play on Wednesday night, who I definitely think we can beat. Um, I definitely think we can beat them. But they're better than we are right now. And then number one is Kentucky, which is like saying, uh, Jimmy, are you getting a a call on your bat phone? What the hell? ring? This is your old (laughs) office. I'm at the old office, and uh, no no one's answering that. Okay. (laughs) Did y'all forget to turn your phones off? Oh, I think they just ring and go to re- record. I don't know. I don't work here anymore, so I, I don't touch anything. <laughs> this is my old office. What this are you doing there? I, 
Uh, it's easy. I left a lot of my equipment up here. It's easy to get a lot of stuff done, and even even I do some sports stuff up here and the podcast up here because the Wi-Fi is great, and uh, and I like having the coffee shop downstairs. <laughs> so it's just it's really convenient on days I want to get a lot of shit done. Has anybody in the history of quitting ever quit and said, "But you know what? I'm quitting, but I kind of want to just come around here and hang out some." Is that cool? Don't pay me. <laughs> And I'm not going to do shit. That's literally what has happened up here. I literally, you you just described it. Okay. Now, how about this? I found the largest sports stadiums in the world. We'll end on this. And, you know, if any, I got to tell some of my going to India stories from a few years back on here because they're great. But um, the number one stadium in the world in terms of capacity is Narander Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad. Got people play as a visitor um then there's Rangrado mayday stadium in pongyang nth korea 114,000. so it's a big drop off it's like 18,000 drop off between the the number three stadium in the world in the world is michigan stadium the number four stadium <laughs> beaver stadium the number five stadium Ohio Stadium in Columbus. So the Big Ten has the next three uh, largest capacity stadiums. But then here comes the SEC, like a rolling ball of tobacco juice. Kyle Field, (laughs) Neyland Stadium, Tiger Stadium, Darrell K. Royal Stadium. They'll be in the the, uh, SEC before you know it. And number 10 is Bryant-Denny at 100,077 people. Yeah. And we're only behind – Daryl K. Royal by like 50 people. So I don't know why we just, I can't believe Nick Simmons hadn't said, y'all bring some of them damn church folding chairs in here, you know, just for a game. So we can paint a number on them. Just paint a number on them. No, I told you, that's amazing. I mean, I remember the first time coming across it, which really wasn't too long ago. And it blows me away that that's true. But then you look at the list and you're like, well, I guess that makes sense. Soccer stadiums are just not massive compared to American football stadiums. And, and the college stadiums are bigger than the NFL stadiums. And, and it makes sense. You know why? Because when they built all these college stadiums, which aren't new, I mean, even Bryant Denny's not new. When they built all these college stadiums, the revenue came from people that would pay to come watch. Well, in the NFL, even going back to the 70s, the real revenue was, was television and has always been television. But in college, it was about paid tickets. So in college right. football, the stadiums are bigger than the NFL because now things have changed. Now college football makes you know TV money too. But Okay. Now well, i got to tell you something, though, and I've got to tell on myself. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I think I've done since we've been doing this particular podcast. Maybe I did something dumber when we did Talking Tuscaloosa. But I said Pong – Pongyang Nth Korea, and the Nth I assume now stands for North, but it has just N T H. And for a moment there, I was like, "What a weird Korean word!" Just Nth. <laughs> and, and now I think it means North, and I'm the biggest dumbass in the history of dumbassdom. But um, I'm sure there were some people listening to me like, "Nth Korea is North Korea, you dipshit." <laughs> That's not dumb. Uh, what's dumb is now when I hear the word North, I don't think of a direction. I think of uh, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's kid. Oh, that's pretty. That is 
Okay, thank you for thanks for man. You always got. I rescued you. I rescued you. There you go. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back tomorrow. And shoot, when we come back tomorrow, it's going to be Wednesday's podcast. And, um, you know, we'll be two days from kickoff. So let's get at it. And until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.